Welcome to the Senior Story Hour, where we share poems, stories, observations of life, written by the Franklin Senior Center Writers Group. I like to make everyone aware of the fact that this one's easy. It's not like the others. It's all downhill from here. Today's just going to be fun. No reason why it shouldn't work. Piece of cake, kick back, let the good stuff happen. Call ahead, tell them we're all set. <laughs> we're gathered again on the solstice day. Oh, yes. So it's dark I'm glad today. you told me that. Now I can hope for one minute more of light. Yes. That's right. Progressively more each day as we go forward. Yeah, today's the darkest day. It's wicked dark. Wicked dark. Wicked dark. <laughs> wicked dark. <laughs> but there is hope. There is light coming. And There's that's, light coming. Yes. That's an inspirational The light at today. the end of the tunnel. And it's not coming at us. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's not a train us. coming at us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's one of the key reasons why I think many of the holidays, Christmas... Yule, Hanukkah, Diwali, uh, Kwanzaa. Con Kwanzaa. Kwanzaa. They're all light oriented. Right. Because we all had, we were all in this dark period when we wanted light, so we would celebrate. The solstice, yeah. yes. So, this is Steve Sherlock. I'm Peter J. Al Larkin. The One True Faith. Alice Judge. Linda Doonan. Joe Ewald. Bill Wiley. Zenobia Carson. Excellent. And now we'll go back to Bill. Okay, I'll go first. This is one of my romantic ones. The first thing in the morning. You're the first thing in the morning, the last thing at night. Together our love will be dynamite. Every second of the day and all through my life, it's you that I need. You'll make a good wife. My love will not stop. It will just go on. I want you, my darling. I'll cry if you're gone. So don't make me blue. Don't make me sad. We'll have a good life and always be glad. Uh, even after we rise, I just need you here. I'll sing my love songs into your sweet ear. You are such a beauty before these old eyes. I know together our love will just fly. If ever I lose you, I'll cry and I'll weep because it is you that makes me complete. You inspire these words that come from my heart. We'll always be together and never apart. Excellent. Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna do a little something you now because we have the group here. I'm gonna do something by that Kathy Salzberg wrote about our group and then I'll do a little something. How nice. After I yeah, Faith said it was a good idea, so and she says, It has been said that everyone's life is a novel. We all have stories to tell. That's what brings our group together weekly to share our writings with our fellow members of the Senior Scribblers at the Franklin Senior Center. We plumb our minds and our memories to, bright, to write about whatever strikes our fancy and take turns reading our work. We refrain from criticism of spelling or grammar. There are no grammar Nazis here. <laughs> it can be prose or poetry our subjects might be love, childhood adventures, travels, pets, problems, heartache, or humor. But the process of sharing also helps form friendships. Some people in our age bracket like to play word games, solve puzzles, or play Jeopardy with Alex Trebek when he was alive. But our writing is another exercise for the mind every bit as important as exercise for the body. 
We highly recommend it. This hour is a collection of some of our writings. We hope you enjoy it and might even consider doing some writing of your own. Kathy Salzberg. Thank you, Kathy. That yeah. would be a nice write-up for the senior mm. um, newsletter. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's the New Year, so I thought, you know, I found it in one of our booklets of stories. Oh, nice. and I just tore the page out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And, uh, and, and did it from there. And mm. I thought it was appropriate, and she's very good, and we miss yeah, her much. Miss her. Really I have been thinking time. about her this week. Yeah. And yeah. I, got, I got some of her stories uh, mm. I, I, could, I could probably dig up, too. Yeah, so since this is Christmas time, I'm going to read a little ghost story. And believe it or not, you guys might not believe some of the stuff that's in here, but that's up to you. Maybe think it's entertaining. When some of us think of shades, we automatically think they're for windows. But if we want to dig a little deeper, the word shade was a term used by Charles Dickens in the story A Christmas Carol, in which Dickens used shade to describe Jacob Marley and the three ghosts of Christmas past, present, and future. And Marley appeared to Scrooge in a transparent form as he had died the day before on Christmas Eve. Boo. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, another ghost of an idea is the famous comic book character, Casper the Ghost. The two examples are fictional shades of white, both different. One was a transparent spirit, and the other one looks like a bedsheet with eyes and a nose cut out. (laughs) Now let's try to see if shades really do exist (laughs) in a non-fictional form. The strongest example that I have, and my heart reaches out, my sister who died before I was born, she was only two and a half years old when she passed away from leukemia. A month or two had gone by when my two oldest brothers, Bill and Barry, were sleeping in bunk beds when she suddenly appeared to them. She was a bright light dressed in a flowing white gown, believe it or not, and she might be an angel from God. They both did not realize that the other one had seen my sister until years later when they talked about it. Another shade of white, this is one you'll have to like, Believe it or not, another shadow of white is one I experienced myself. These examples are a little on the dark side. One time I found my Bible on the floor on the other side of the room where I had left it. I did not think it was a sign from God that the Bible was thrown across the floor. (laughs) And there was a shade in my closet 24-7. Even when the sun went down, it was still there. It even moved at times to let me know it was there. <laughs> this was the room I'd rented at the YMCA, and half the rooms were haunted. And people <laughs> telling stories about people that had lived in the room previously, and they had died and came back. And this was the room I'd rented at the YMCA. Like I said before, the other inhabitants that also had their own encounters of shades in their rooms. The last shade I want to tell you about occurred in a house that was rented by one of my older brothers, Barry, that I had mentioned before, who had seen my sister's year before with Bill. And they were staying on the Jersey Shore. And it happened one night when everybody was sleeping. And then everybody (laughs) heard a loud scream. 
coming from my niece's bedroom, she had seen an image of an elderly lady who had once lived on the premises many years ago. And she came at my niece in flowing white until she was almost upon her and she disappeared like that. Snap of the fingers, Bill. <laughs> the best way to conclude my story is to recite a little preface of A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens, where it's, a, it's probably the greatest thing that Christmas has to offer, and that's just my own opinion. I have endeavored in this ghostly little book to raise a ghost of an idea which shall not put my readers out of humor with themselves, with each other, with the season, or with me. May it haunt their houses pleasantly, and no one wish to lay it. Their faithful friend and servant, Charles Dickens, December 1843. Right. <laughs> I, like, I like your whiff, <laughs> the, way, the way he said it. Yeah, <laughs> I try to like, you down. know, humming up a little bit. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Lots of spirit stories. Yeah, and it's Christmas time, and it, it's, a, it's a beautiful story about, about the gift of giving to each other. Linda? Yeah, it was early on a Saturday morning. I really wanted to stay in bed, but this Saturday morning was different. Today was the first football game of the season. It was the first year of high school for my grandson and he had made the team. The bleachers were filled with anxious mothers and proud fathers, and I am sure there were some grandparents there too. The bleachers did not disappoint me, for they were as hard and cold as I remembered them to be. Soon the whistle blew and all the experienced and new players were making it onto the field. Viewers yelled and clapped and mustered up enough noise to encourage the players. Everyone was grateful for the sun that had risen high enough in the sky to warm up the faithful viewers that had come to see that early morning game. I think I can say all the viewers that came had love in their hearts despite the cold bleachers. A good time was had by all. Did they win? Did, Did they, they win? win? <laughs> <laughs> Did they? Or uh, is no, it I a made-up? Yes. Oh, you made yeah. it up. Oh. Well, she's the writer. Of course, they yeah. won. Was it <laughs> That's what I was should it have worth said. the pain? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's good writing. Yeah. Well, by the time I read this, it will be a new year. So happy 2023. A new year is ahead of us. Did you watch the ball drop? I can't say that it is ever most on my mind, but I do like the hope and joy that the Christmas season brings. Homes are decorated with bright lights, inflated reproductions of Santa, Rudolph, of course, elves to Christmas trees, wreaths on the door. People can't help but join in the festive attitudes that come with the season. And I think people don't want to lose that good spirit, and so it prevails on New Year's Eve with partying. Everybody wears the 2023 eyeglasses or hats people wear that say 2023, and there's plenty of dancing and booze, plenty of music. 
Have you made any New Year's resolutions? Do you write them down? Even if I made them, I wouldn't write them down. Somebody may see them and hold me to them, and in February, remind me of them. And of course, I haven't done anything about them, and so I'll feel guilty. Who wants that? New Year's is meant to be a celebration, a day we wish each other well. New Year's is celebrated all over the world. It's a time of jubilation, a time to reflect on the last 365 days, and it gives us hope that the new year will be better. We feel joy, hope, and faith. We feel excited about life once again. We feel a zest in our faith that somehow the next 365 days will motivate us and move us forward. That is my wish for each one of you. Happy 2023. Nice. Nice. Thank you. Thank you. Well, thank you. Very good, Alice. Yeah. Nice wish, yeah. Actually, I didn't have anything written because I was busy reading. Good for you. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I belong to a book club called Aganada. It was named after the first book, the Club Red, Gift from the Sea, by oh. Anne Morrow Lindbergh. Aganada is a chapter in Lindbergh's book. Aganadas are female seashells. Well, really, they're delicate egg casings that drift here and there, living an adventure for whom knows where the sea may take them. And such is this book I want to tell you about. It is State of Terror by Hillary Rodman Clinton and Louise Penny. I put off reading it, until I had to read it for the book club. I had mistakenly thought it was nonfiction. I thought it was a boring explanation of Secretary of State Hillary Clinton's performance, a defense of what she had done, or accolades for her successes. Not so. The book State of Terror is an Argonauta seashell that will take you on an adventure in a sea of political gales. Dramamine won't help. You can't get off the story. You are reading a whirlwind of intrigue, wordplay, politics, and John Donne. Yeah, the poet. There's a lot of figures of speech employed, which I enjoyed very much, because one of the major characters was a former high school English teacher. The English teacher, Betsy, and the main protagonist, Ellen Adams, who's the Secretary of State, use a personal secret code that they're the only ones that understand. They use figures of speech. For example, an oxymoron walked into a bar and the silence was deafening. (laughs) (laughs) An Aganauta was tossed from a wave into the bar and found herself in a state of terror. Thus, the reader finds herself flying home in Air Force Three from the Secretary of State's first foray into diplomacy. It was a disaster, as the president, Doug Williams, had known it would be. Ellen, the Secretary of State, was set up by the president. They do not like each other, and it was a surprise that the president even picked Ellen to be the secretary. She and we readers can see that her role is going to be that of a scapegoat. Then, immediately, attention from Ellen's failure is drawn to a series of bombings throughout Europe. Chaos ensues trying to figure out what was going on. Who, why, and what's next are questions that make everyone frantic. Eventually, we find out that Pakistan, Afghanistan, Russia, and Iran are involved. 
we think they're involved in a race to develop nuclear weapons. But they're not. They are being manipulated by a vile Islamic extreme terrorist, Bashir Shah. I'm not giving any spoilers, so I won't give you a plot summary. I will tell you that one of the delights of the novel is that the characters are very thinly disguised real people that you will know currently. President Doug Williams is President Biden. Former President Eric Dunn is former President Donald Trump. British Premier Bellington is Boris Johnson. Osama bin Laden is Bashir Shah. The private thoughts of the Secretary of State will make you wonder how real they are or were. The book is a political thriller. The wordplay is clever, and you may laugh out loud at the comebacks and the witty banter employed by the cautious political enemies. You will also cry. Yes, sob. The violence and loss of the people you have grown to love will make you weep. State of Terror by Hillary Rodman Clinton and Louise Penny. They have a sensational bestseller on their hands. I stayed up late reading this 500-page turner. If you're human, you probably will lose some sleep too. So, a hyperbole walked into a bar and said, this book is the best book I've ever read. Replay at the end there as well. Good. Good word. Yeah, well, it was. Read it. Yeah, I'm telling you, I said I don't, you know, the book club is the first Thursday, so I have to read it, and I was so surprised, and I couldn't put it down. And even it's done. Even now, I still think about it. I'm still jazzed up about it. Yeah, yeah. My comment, bingo, had a lot to do with mention of light. Solstice and more light to come tomorrow, uh, reason to hope. Anyway, uh, my sharing today has to do with uh, the Creator's different lights for the world. One is for the material world, and this Sunday some will celebrate a child divine to be called the light of the world. My sharing is a poem, Ode to the Sun. This has to do with the spelling of Sun, S-U-N, or sun, S-O-N. Either have their blessing, both have their glory in the ode. Ode to the sun. Dark night is waning, dim light appears. Sun shines so long for on this dark sphere. Silence speaks the light in glorious rays, gives reason to celebrate a new day. Early warm, the rose color this morn. Say what? Should sailors be warned? You green the fields with your early glow, roots seeking moisture as downward they grow. Uh, Amid bright billowing clouds, blue sky and sun provide a smile. It sure does us good, so we linger a while. Should there be showers, you bright the dewdrops, supplying a rainbow which makes us all stop. When you rise up, be kind. Tired shoulders you find, making all things feel new. And old bones say thank you. In midday heat, with a need to hide, the life to a tree you did provide. With leaders, branches, twigs and leaf, cooling comfort is there for relief. Borrowed light to your sister moon, Helps with the time, avoids any gloom, gives ways of the tides and of the season. 
to benefit those who try to find reason. Your glory continues when low in the sky. Bright colors on clouds engage the eye. Can't think no matter what you're bent. For our delight, you surely were sent. So, let the sun shine. Let the sun shine in. The sun shine in. Let the sun shine in. Let the sun shine in. The sun shine in. And joy to the world, the Lord has come. Merry Christmas, everyone. Merry Christmas. Got your singing? Yeah, that was a great setup. Yeah. Very good, Al. Very good. You say you were in a fine voice there. Yeah. Well, it's interesting how you segued nicely from the text into you the song. You set it up. I set it up. I didn't even <laughs> intend to do that. And that was how cool was that? Because it was interesting. The book that I have been reading, I've been yeah. excited about because it's talking about the adjacent possible, huh. and I won't, I won't be able to explain it and do it justice. But effectively, if you've got a new idea, it has to be something closer to an existing one for it to happen because it's it's near so it's not that stretch as opposed to going all the way out to the end well the people aren't going to go there and one quick analysis of that and you can look back at like even uh leonardo da vinci's writings and his diagrams and he was putting things back in what the 14 1500s and it was like no way that's ever going to happen and yet Amazing, yeah. it has yeah. Yeah. today yeah. right so vision vision right. yeah so i've been struggling with that because i was also struggling with and picking up on bill's songs I, i've got this worm earthworm uh, in your head there's, there's <laughs> another worm word for it mind worm there's earworm earworm that's the one he gets the day <laughs> <laughs> earworm stuck in my head from a eurythmic song that i know you recognize Sweet dreams are made of these. <laughs> Who am I to disagree? disagree? So it's like, yeah, that's uh, that's Annie Lennox. Annie Lennox and the Eurythmics. Yeah. So I'm I've I've been working on this thing and it hasn't come out yet. So I did go back because I found something similar. It's in dreams, which is related. So this is from a few years ago, but it's in the spirit, so to speak. Oh, and this, as opposed to Shirku, this is more of a ghazal. So I talk about the form because it's six stanzas, and yet each stanza can kind of stand alone, except you'll hear kind of a recurring phrase, which kind of connects them together. So, a good experience. This new form is longer. Each section can stand alone, recreating a good experience. There is a call and a response from the frog colony by the waterside while fireflies blink, creating a good experience. Pete the cat started with one shoe, story about his new shoes changing colors for a good experience. I found myself crawled forward off the sleeping mats in my dreams looking for a good experience. 
Penn's Creek runs high, covering most of the rocks. Little white water sounds like a good experience. The joy of the puppy in rabbit chase. Later, straining on his leash, he pointed to a good experience. Add a lot of those. Yeah. So I think that form will help me with the adjacent possible and tie in kind of the eurythmics in some way. So stay tuned. Since nice. I've verbalized it, I've committed to doing something like that. So there hopefully it'll go. come out right. sometime. Pressure's on now. Pressure's on. Pressure's <laughs> on. That was good, Steve. Zenobia, how about you? I have something I call proof positive, and I just did it not too long ago. I must have been at least seven years old when I began having suspicions about what we think of as the top days in the life of a child. Birthdays, Easter, any day that you lose a tooth, and the biggest day of all, Christmas. I had no problem with the days themselves, especially my birthday. What's there to do? You show up, everybody loves you, candles are lit, your mom makes a big cake, your dad has brought in all your presents, your friends are there, and it's just easy peasy all the way. Easter meant the appearance of a huge cellophane covered basket, chocolate bunnies, yellow peeps, and marshmallow eggs. This is when I begat, became suspicious. <laughs> of course, there was mother's honey-baked ham, accessories, of course. And by the time I was seven, two baskets appeared because they had decided to bring my brother Raymond, yes, the lover of syrup, into our home, and he required a basket of his own. The Easter Bunny somehow rang the doorbell or knocked on the front door in the middle of the night and never bumped into the tooth fairy, which I thought odd because people were always losing their teeth. <laughs> Regardless of an upcoming holiday, why didn't someone wake up to their Easter goodies and their quarter under the pillow as well? My queries became serious into this matter, always caused, and it caused my parents to look quickly at each other, avert their eyes from me, and offer a half-hearted explanation or a mumbled answer. And for the most part, I was satisfied until we were driving down State Street on Christmas, during the Christmas season, and my face was open and dumbfounded by the lights and decorations and over-the-top festivities. On the radio, Gene Autry assured us that Santa Claus was indeed coming to town. But wait, it dawned on me that not only had I just been on his lap in Sears and Roebuck and took a picture and had the candy cane to prove it, yet he was on every street corner ringing a bell, different versions of himself, and I became alarmed. Daddy, why are there so many Santas? I saw, even in the darkness of the car, my parents quick look at each other, and Daddy replied, well, they're Santa's helpers. But I was alarmed more. I was more alarmed. Weren't his helpers elves? I questioned again, but was thrown off by, do you want to stop and get a hot dog from Maxwell Street? Well, 
Of course. As the days passed, more questions came to mind. Uh, how does Santa bring toys to our house? We have no chimney. Daddy's reply was, he comes to city kids in a truck. Uh, pulled by reindeer, I asked. <laughs> no, just a truck, Daddy said. I saw my mother's eyes roll up to heaven. The questions continued. It's funny, Daddy. Santa likes the same coconut cake and sweet potato pie that you do. <laughs> Daddy smiled and said yes. And he called and asked if you could cut a bigger slice this year for him. <laughs> On the other side of the room, my mother stifled a bray of laughter. It did not help that children at school, far more sophisticated than I, laughed and made fun of me and, uh, and my ignorance. It's your parents, Goofy. They hide the stuff until you're asleep. And when you wake up, it's just there. I was taunted and tortured and tormented, made fun of and given sidelong looks until I was 12. Laugh if you like, but I had a sneaky suspicion Still, I stood up for my parents because they would never lie to me. That's what they said, except they had. My mother separated and nearly divorced from our dad by the time I was 12, sitting at her sewing machine, finishing up the wardrobes for the sensational new doll called Barbie, which she sold along with layout sets for infant baby dolls. Saw in my eyes a lot of questions. She avoided looking at me and she, as she tended to the details of the little dolls, Christmas dinner and the sounds of holiday music and Raymond, now six years old, not missing our dad like I did, made up our Christmas Eve. I asked and dreaded the answer. I whispered, there really is no Santa? Her eyes stayed off me. No, but your daddy wanted it for you. And your brother, I just uh, went along because he was very poor growing up and he wanted you guys to have so much. She glanced at Raymond and back to me. Don't spoil it for him, she said. Let him believe as long as he can. Well, of course I wouldn't. I would never mess things up for my little brother. He would know though in two more years and the magic would be watered down from that moment on. I was not angry, but stunned. They had lied after all. But to what end? To make us happy, to make us feel loved and filled with a childhood wonder that the world would attempt to squash and mess with soon enough. Nothing to forgive, actually. I had the proof positive, and the positive proof was that they loved us. Mm -hmm. All right. Lovely. Very nice. Very nice. Sometimes the end justifies the means. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. And Peter. I'll be him all day. You'll be him all day. Yes. Yeah. I try to be consistent. Consistency <laughs> is sometimes good. We have to deviate yes, you know, once in a while. But. I'm, st I'm also still practicing. But <laughs> just, uh, I'm going to go with a piece that I did way back in 2015. In fact, before this program actually started and, and before the radio station. But it's one of a series of pieces I've done every December. So um, I'm going to combine it with the second one. So I'm going to put the two of them together as uh, bits of poetry here. The title is At the End of December. In the deep of December, reflect 
as surely each new year arrives to arc across our waning lives, soft bells. Well, there was a soft bell right there. Perfect time. (laughs) (laughs) As surely each new year arrives to arc across our waning lives, soft bells of fleeting years doth chime, our fading grasp of gifted time. So free, yet worth much more than gold, ring in some new, ring out some old. With maudlin momentary pause, we contemplate our nagging flaws and imperfections gone astray, thus resolute each New Year's Day. Again, we pledge a better way to rise above our day-to-day temptations while resolving still this new year be our act of will. At the end of September, begin. Through January winds forlorn, rekindle thou thy soul reborn. Now rise anew and go your way. The rest of life, the zest of life, the best of life begins today. The holiday now packed away, time to hunker. Our aging, aching bones rebel with each January's hoary hell. We stare at January. A sullen stare through distant air, and daylight glare is frozen where it's stark, clear, silent, still. An aftermath. What once was water flowing free, now cast in solidarity with January. Winter tries to apologize with pristine snows and cool white flows on windswept fields of softer shapes and other otherworldly scapes. My January stare affixed for want of light and warmth betwixt the shadows tall that deeply fall across these darker days in ways that nature slowly lets us know there's life. And so beneath the snow it waits, just as I do in January. Mm. Yeah. That's what you can do with a good vocabulary. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Thesaurus. Nice. <laughs> That's, <laughs> nice. That's nice. That was a good round of some poetry, some spirits, some ghosts, <laughs> Christmas pasts and presents, <laughs> Santa's. And song got thrown in there, slipped in there nicely along the way. So we hope you all have enjoyed this episode, this Scribblers episode for this time. And for those who would like to join us either in person at the Franklin Senior Center or online, drop a line to info at Franklin TV, and we'll put you on the mailing list for the future episodes. And you can join us virtually or in person. So we wish you all a happy holiday season and a joyful, challenging, healthful New Year. This is Steve Sherlock. I'm Peter J. I'm Al Larkin. Faith Flaherty. Ellers Judge. Linda Doonan. Joe Ewald. Bill Wiley. Zenobia Carson. Thanks for being with us here on Senior Story Hour. Until the next time, I'm Peter J. Remember, be they laced with gravity, levity, wisdom, or whimsy, the meaning, experiences of life become a little larger when you share them, when you take a moment to commit pen to paper and just write. This is FPR, Franklin Public Radio.